This is recording number 10947 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, October 16, 2011. This is the 25th message in the series titled, Doctor's Gospel. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Are You Ready? Chapter 21, Luke 21. I am never ready for the seasons of my life. Going, you know, moving from kindergarten to grammar school, not ready for that. Going from grammar school to middle school, not ready for that. Middle school to high school, big time not ready for that. First job, marriage, children, not ready for these things. I'm always thinking, I'll get to it, I'll get ready. I know they're coming, I'll get ready, but I'm never ready when they come. And uh, nine years ago, I was 47, so you can do the math, figure out how old I am now. <clears throat> and um, my oldest daughter had been married for a couple of years, and uh, we... You know, we were and should have been expecting to get uh, the news that they were expecting, right? I mean, it's about time, but I'm 47 years old and I'm not ready to be a grandfather. I turned, almost the day I turned 40, 2020 vision went south on me and I had to start wearing glasses. I'm in the stage of my life now where every day I'm just grateful I can get out of bed I'm in, the, I'm in the medication era of my life, and uh, it's not pleasant. But anyway, I remember that day, it was, we were up at our cabin in Southern California, and uh, uh, Dayspring and Grant uh, were out with us on a boat ride. We got, I don't remember whether it was before or after, I think it was after, they presented us with gifts of little baby t-shirts that said Grandma and Grandpa on them. And it was like I, I got it, and it took me a minute to kind of figure out what was going on. And then they stated, stated the obvious, we're pregnant. And I went, oh, good. Hey, that's wonderful. And then as soon as I could get a, a little break from everybody, I got with Sue, and I said, this is horrible. I said those words. I said, this is horrible. Not because they're having a baby. Gabriella is a delight to us. She's eight years old now. We love her and, and have, you know, enjoyed the experience immensely. But I wasn't ready. That's the thing. I wasn't ready. I mean, I got ready and fast. <laughs> but maybe you can relate to that. It just seems like I'm always sort of playing catch up in life. But in Luke chapter 21, we're going to be... Jesus is going to be asking us the question, are you ready for my return? Because he is coming back, you know. Jesus made it crystal clear. Crystal clear. There is no doubt about it. Our Savior is returning. 
Now, it may not be in my lifetime. I, I'll talk more about that in a bit. But it may be before this service is over. Seriously, there is nothing, nothing to prevent our Savior from returning right now. Are you ready? I'm going to come back to the first four verses of chapter 21 later, but let's start reading at verse 5. Then as some spoke of the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donations. He, the, people were, he was at the temple and people were, were in the temple area and they were remarking on how wonderful and beautiful this facility was. And he said, verse 6, These things which you see, all this finery, the days will come in which, you will not, in which not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, he was prophesying <clears throat> specifically about the destruction of Jerusalem and of the temple. And this prophecy that Jesus made actually was fulfilled in 70 AD uh, under, the, uh, under Emperor Titus, Roman Emperor Titus, when the city of Jerusalem was sacked and literally the temple was demolished stone by stone. But this launches a discussion for the remainder of this chapter about more than the destruction of, the, of Jerusalem and of the temple, but about the signs and the timing of his, Jesus' return. And the reason that the disciples uh, who are going to kind of now ask some questions that launch Jesus' remarks on the basis of what he's, what he's just said, the reason that they put the two together, the what Jesus prophesied about the destruction of the temple and the return of, of the, the end of times, really, the wrapping up of the age, the reason they put those things together is because prophecy um, sort of works like this. It's, if you can imagine looking at a mountain range, you see the, the front peak, and you can sort of gauge the distance from where you are to that. But then the peaks behind it, you don't know how far, uh, the, how big the valleys are between them and what the distance is between that first peak and the ones that are behind it. And prophecy is like that. When you read prophecy in the Bible, it's like they kind of all merge together in a way. And we are not always privy to the timing between those peaks of events. And so in the disciples' mind, all of these things were sort of together. And Jesus addresses it like that. So they asked him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? So the disciples asked the same two questions we always want to ask. When? Because we want to make sure that we show up on time. And, and what will be the signs so that we can know when we should start getting ready to be on time? And what follows is, let me just be honest. In many ways, indecipherable in terms of the answer to those questions. It wasn't that Jesus was uh, trying to hide truth. He wasn't... Um, giving them riddles, but he doesn't address what they're after. 
You see, because I know me, and it's possible you not, may not be like me in this way, but I have a feeling that it's pretty common for most of us when it comes to the things of the Lord. We, we really want to know where the boundaries are. We like to have clear rules so we know just how close we can get to going beyond the rules but not actually do it. Right? And the same was true here, I believe, even though I'm certain that, in, that the disciples, I'm not, I'm not um, trying to say the disciples didn't have pure motives, but I think they're just operating in the human mindset. Show me where the, when are you coming back? And what will be the signs leading up to that so that I, I get ready, so that I don't miss it? When really, wouldn't the right question be, how can I be ready and stay ready? Wouldn't that have been the right question to ask? And that's the question I want for us to consider today as we look at what Jesus had to say. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not going to go through all of these signs. I'll summarize them for you. Because he does, he goes on for the next several um, verses to, to describe things that will be in process and increasing in intensity as the day approaches for his return. And if you read it, it sounds just like today. Wars and rumors of wars, commotions, geopolitical commotions, natural disasters, earthquakes, famines, People's, uh, people's hearts failing them for fear. The, how many of you know people who are stressed out and fearful all the time? I mean, on and on. It, it sounds like today. But let me also be honest with you to say that it sounds like almost all of human history. I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Jesus was just being super general here. Just something that would be this, you know, always be true. I believe he was giving us very, very specific things that when we are on the other side of the event of Christ's second coming and look back on it, we will go, oh, that was crystal clear. How could we have missed it? Just like the prophecies about the first coming of Jesus, when we look back on them, we say, how could they have ever missed it? They're so clear. Yet they did. But the reason I'm saying this is because I think Jesus wanted us to know that it's always, you know, whether we're talking thousands of years or days, in terms of eternity, it's nothing. It's nothing. I remember having a conversation with my mother when I was uh, a, a freshman in high school, and I was, you know, I was reading these things, and, and, I, and I, said, I said, Mom, you know, our world, this was, what, 19... 70 or 69, something like that. Again, you can do the math. I, 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 I said, Mom, I'm reading this stuff in the Bible, and it sounds an awful like, a lot like our world today. And I asked her this, do you think that I'll ever get a chance to be married? Well, I have been married for 37 years to my high school sweetheart. I have had three wonderful children, and now I have two grandchildren. Three, actually. Two grandchildren, three years and eight years old, and another one, a girl, on the way. Does that mean that I should live my life as though Jesus weren't coming? No. 
As I started off, I may, he may not come in my lifetime, but he may come before this service is out, and I want to be ready now. Now, when I say that, be ready, well, I know some of you are wondering, well, what do, what do you mean? How, do, how, how would I be ready? Well, first and foremost, if it's, not, if it's not clear to you, to be ready for the Savior's return means that you have embraced his, his uh, salvation that he offers. He died on the cross for a reason. He died for you so that your sins could be forgiven, washed away. He took your penalty on that cross. And he offers you eternal life. If you haven't yet, I encourage you to do it. Run, don't walk to the cross. Receive the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That is what ultimately prepares you. That's, that is what makes a place for you in eternity with God. That restores right relationship with the Heavenly Father. So when you pass from this life into the next, however it would be, as a result of His return or as a result of passing through death, however it is, when you pass from this life into the next, you will be present with the Lord. That's how you get ready. But can I say that there might be some more to it than just that? How do you want the Lord to find you when he returns? How many of you ever uh, heard the slogan, what would Jesus do? WWJD. It's on wristbands and bumper stickers and stuff. Anybody but me? Okay, I've got a new one. WWJP. What would Jesus post? Or what would Jesus comment? If he was your Facebook friend, I'm serious, what would he comment to your posts? Are you ready? Verse 19, by your patience, possess your souls. That means, patience, this word patience means Hopeful endurance. Hopeful endurance. Those two terms almost seem like they don't go together. Patience is hopeful, an expectation of what's coming, and so I endure. Hopeful endurance. By your patience, possess or own your soul. Now, this, your soul is your intellect, emotions, wills, the, it's the, the, your personality and characteristics that, that, that make you you. Your spirit, is, is the, the spiritual part of you, is the eternal part of you, but you have a soul. And, and Jesus, in the midst of all of these signs and things that he's describing, will be indica- indicators of his return. He says, possess your souls, own your soul, own who you are. With hopeful endurance. Who owns your soul? Is it Wall Street? Is it Madison Avenue? Who owns your soul? Do you? Now, of course, obviously, we want God to be the one who owns me. We, we, we've been singing about all, that, that all morning. God, I want you to have everything that I, that I am. But you know, one of the fruit of the Spirit is... One of the fruits, excuse me, of the Spirit is self-control. 
There is something about what God is doing in my life that produces self-control. Own your soul, he says. In the midst of all of this stuff about, the, about my coming, about the wrapping up of this age, own your soul with hopeful endurance. We'll come back to that in a minute. Now, um, look at verse 34, because this is really what it all comes down to. I can't do anything about uh, either speeding up or delaying the return of Jesus. I don't think you, do, you can either. <laughs> That's his business. In fact, he said no one, no man, <laughs> knows the hour or the day. So when you hear these guys making predictions, renting billboards all over the, the country and telling when Jesus is coming back, you can count that. You can cross that date off the list. Okay? Because no one knows. I can't do anything about that, but what I can do is make sure that I'm ready. But take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourself. Lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come upon you or come on you unexpectedly. That means you weren't ready. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I kind of just want to talk about those things in the last few minutes that we have to go because those are things I have some control over. Those are some issues of preparedness that I can give myself to. Take heed to yourself. Apply oneself to these things. And there's some negatives and then some positives. So we're talking today about are you ready? And we want to be. And being ready means that we don't do some things and we do do some things. The first of the things that we don't do, that we don't be weighed down by wasting our lives. Now, all of us have, uh, you know, stuff that we like to do rec- rec- recreationally. I, I, watch t- I watch TV. I watch three shows. I watch uh, Survivor. I watch Amazing Race and this new one called um, Person of Interest. I watch three television shows. I do that for entertainment. I go to the movies sometimes. I like hanging out my, with my wife, going out for dinner. There's things we do just for fun. So this is not about that. It is about what are you in pursuit of? What do you live for? Who owns your soul? Do you live for the club? Do, do you live for your next vacation? What is it that you live for? Who owns your soul? What is your life about? You have one and only one life. What are you going to do with it? When Jesus comes again, are you going to want to... Not that he is going to rake you over the coals. He will not. But listen, the Bible says that there's going to be... What our, li- what our life produ- produced is going to be on display and the stuff that wasn't for him is going to get burned away, thank God. But who wants to watch that bonfire? Right? The things that we've, did- that we've done for him, those are the things that will last. 
Are you wasting your life? Are you ready for him to come back? Another thing that he says here, so he says carousing, and that's what this means, wasting your life with futility. That's what that means. But then he says drunkenness, and I'm using the term self-medication because it can come come in the form of a lot of things. I'll just be honest with you. I self-medicate with food. When I'm depressed, discouraged, or, you know, just down, I eat. I don't want Jesus to come back and find me with a big old Big Mac in my hands. <laughs> I don't. And no matter how lovely that cocktail looks in your hand, I don't think you want Jesus coming back and finding you that way either. Whatever it is that you're doing to deal with the pains and issues of your life, however much it may be acceptable in society or or even applauded by our culture. Because I also self-medicated for many years of my life. Thank God he has delivered me from that by, by overwork. I was a workaholic. That's how I, but, but the world around me applauded me for that. I got a lot of strokes for that because I accomplished a lot of things. Inside, though, all I was doing was self-medicating, dealing with pain, trying to numb the pain with work. Listen, whatever it is that you're doing, is that how Jesus wants you? How is that how you want Jesus to find you when he returns? Not me. Not me. And cares of this life. Don't be weighed down with carousings or wasting your life. Drunkenness, self-medicating. Or the cares of this life. Look, we have a lot to be stressed out about these days. We do. It's not likely to get better, though. It really isn't. So we got to start making a choice. Am I going to live my life distracted by its stresses? Or am I going to find a way... To get a hold of God. And let him walk me out of those stressful things. Bring change where it needs to be changed. Where change needs to be had. Bring instruction. Bring deliverance. Guidance. Don't be weighed down by these things, he says. Instead, watch and pray. Jesus told two parables back to back in the book of Matthew. Matthew 24, uh, beginning at verse 45, and then in Matthew 25, the the first uh, 13 verses there. Story about, two stories. One, about a man who left his servants in charge of his household. And he, he says that what kind of servant does the... Would we want, would the master want to find when he returns? One doing the job? Or one who has decided that his master's return is delayed and so he starts uh, using, mis- misappropriating the master's stuff and dealing with the master's um, other servants in a bad way? How does, how would the master want to find his servant? It says, he wants to find him doing what he left him to do. The other uh, parable that Jesus told was about ten virgins and waiting for the bridegroom to show up for the wedding. But when the, when the bridegroom came, it was like a parade and the virgins uh, uh, followed him. They met, greeted him and followed him to the 
house of the bride. And, and uh, so it says that five of these ten virgins, they took extra oil with them for their lamps. Some of them, assuming that the bridegroom was coming quickly, didn't. They just took, brought their lamps. And so when the bridegroom was delayed, the only ones that were ready for him were the ones that brought extra oil. Jesus was addressing this issue of watching and praying. Watching and praying. The word watching there means sleepless. It's like the, the virgins that had their extra oil. They were camped out. They were ready, even if it took a long time. Even if the, the, mass, even if the uh, bridegroom was delayed in his coming, they were ready. They were ready for however long it was going to be. Praying. Praying means to beg eagerly for. That's what that word means there in, in, it, in that uh, context. Praying. Begging eagerly for. Waiting anxiously for the return of the Savior. And that talks about the servant who decided that his master might come at any moment. So I'm just going to be, whenever he comes, I'm going to be doing the job he left me to do. Either way, whether Jesus comes before I finish the next sentence or if he doesn't come in my lifetime, I want to be ready. I want to watch with extra oil. Always ready for his return, even if it's uh, many years to come. I also want to be joyfully, expectantly waiting his imminent return, doing what he left me to do. Watch. And pray. Now I told you before we were done. I'd go back to the first four verses of this chapter. I'd like to do that now. This is how this chapter. That's all about the signs of the. Wrapping up the age. Of the age. The return of Jesus. This is how it begins. And he looked up. Jesus looked up. He's in the temple. And saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. Now, how would you like that if I camped out right in front of the offering basket and we had a parade and you came by and, and I was there, you know, keeping an eye on things? It would be a little intimidating, wouldn't it? Well, that's what's happening. Jesus decides, look, I'm going to watch this thing. And he just parks himself in front of the treasury. And as these rich people come in, depositing their gifts, I figure they leave probably feeling pretty good about themselves for how much they put in. And he saw a certain poor widow putting in two mites very tiny little coins that would uh, roughly correspond to our pennies. I mean, pennies are so worthless to us these days, we throw them away. She puts in two mites. So he says, he stops the show. He says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Truly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all for all these, talking about the rich folks, they, out of their abundance, have put in offerings. Out of their abundance, out of their leftovers. It didn't cost them anything. And what they did, they did for show. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. And then he talks about his return. And I think he meant for us to understand that he means for us to live ready. And we do that by being all in.
You know the poker term. All in. That's what I think Jesus meant for us to take away from this passage. Are you all in?